Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Slavic Bros. My name is Tyler, and this is my friend Austin. What's up, guys? Ciao, Liddy. On this week's episode, Austin, what are we talking about? This week, we're going to be talking about Slavic women. So we have two honored guests this week. We have Carolina and Isabel. Mm-hmm. Say hi. Hi. Hi, guys. Good stuff. Hey, so um, thank you both for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, we figured you guys be the best to really talk about this more than me and Austin, seeing we're not exactly Slavic women. Uh, but do you <laughs> want to give a quick rundown? I know, Carolina, you were actually born in Czechia, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. And uh, Isabel, you said you're from Pennsylvania? Yes, I'm Pennsylvanian, and I'm of Carpatho-Rusin descent. Oh, that's awesome. This, this is going to be a <laughs> be a really good episode. Uh, do you guys want to like each give like a little bit of a rundown more or less on on your experience, just briefly about what it's uh, what it is to be like a Slavic women, like what it what it means to be that to you guys, um, and then we'll kind of go from there. Okay. Um. So I am from Czech. Um. I was born in South Moravia, so that's kind of the south of Czech. So we have a lot of culture. Um. That's kind of filled with a wine with a lot of festivals so that's I think what makes me the woman that I am today it's just the culture that I grew up in with and was just always part of me so that I think that's the base of me good stuff good stuff awesome Yes, and for me, I would say it differs a little bit because, uh, again, I am a child of, um, you know, a line of immigrants. So my great-grandparents came over from Folvark in uh, eastern Slovakia, the Carpatho-Rusin village, um, around like 1920 or so. So, mm-hmm. like, I have traditions and most the beautiful thing I value about Slavic women is how we are culture bearers in a lot of way. So like, again, it, the culture sort of got passed down from my great grandmother to my grandmother, to my mother, to me. And like, I like that I can sort of promote that culture, even though we are in the U S and even though we are separated from the homeland. And that's, I do think that's a big part of me. And I like try to honor what I, I grew up with, with that sort of way. So, yeah. Awesome. That, that's really cool. Um, that was actually one of our points of this podcast, yeah, yeah. that Slavic women are oftentimes culture bearers because, you know, for example, in Texas, like there are quite a few intermarriages between Czechs and Germans, Czechs and, and Czechs and Italians, or Czechs and just general Americans. And a lot of times the kids from these mixed marriages will probably identify the most with being Czechs. So it's kind of really cool to see this play out with like Slavic women passing on the culture to the kids. Because in some other ethnic groups I know, such as, you know, um, like Arabs or maybe Albanians, a lot of times it's mm-hmm. the father who passes on the culture, but it's different with um, Slavic cultures, I think. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. I When I was in a Carpatho-Rusin uh, group, I remember we, we talked about, like, you. it's hard to tell who's, like, a participating cultural Rusin by their last name, because a lot of the times the culture gets passed down through the maternal mm-hmm. line. And yeah, it is interesting how it differs from other cultures, like, because we are so like, sort of, 
I call it shadow matriarchy. Like we have the father's last name, but a lot of our identity and stuff comes from the mother's side. Right, That's right. very interesting to me. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think me and Tyler can attest to this because we both have very American sounding names. You know, Austin yeah. Southington, Tyler Shotwell, but we're very proud to be Czech for me and Tyler, you know, you're very proud to be Polish. So Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I definitely associate more with my mother's side, the uh, Polish side, than anything else. Obviously, my last name is very English sounding. I don't tend to think I look very English. I've been over to England. They look at me like I'm some sort of like alien to them. Uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny, actually. But um, yeah, no, no, I, I definitely I, I definitely agree that it's passed down a lot through the mom's side. That's very important. And it is separating us a lot from other cultures. Um, and so earlier you uh you touched a little bit on like kind of like values almost and that's something that austin and i really wanted to hear from both of you guys um as slavic women like what what do you guys think like what what values are attached to that that like really kind of coincide with what it means to be a slavic woman when you separate that you know from western european women or perhaps just other women from across the world that was kind of uh, a lot to unpack there <laughs> yeah i mean uh as uh I haven't said I now lived in California for almost four years. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, been sometimes a lot to not lose myself as a Czech woman because the Western um, kind of kind of a life that we are uh, living here, it's a bit different. So I'm trying to go back to the roots to uh to not uh, lose that to not lose myself as i was in czech uh, before i left so i think just going back to the roots and just keep doing what my generations has been doing and just just keep doing that but on the other side of the earth so and i think the family is just the base that i care the most and it's is just rooted in me and the culture that's just so powerful that can just unite us all together and share this experience with others. Very cool. And Catalina, I know you actually have a shop where you sell various different Czech products, especially inspired by South Moravia. So um, you also check out her shop. Do you want to talk a little bit right quick about your shop? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my shop is called Moravian uh, Girl Designs on let's say .com. And uh, I started this shop uh, last year because I've been living here for three years back then and I've just missed home. And in my free time, I was just thinking about Czech a lot and my roots. So I wanted to create something for... Uh, for me and all the Czech or European people who came uh, to the United States, but still can wear something that means a lot to them. That's awesome stuff. Yeah, Very it's, cool. I think that's probably helping you kind of connect more back with the, the roots. Like you said, that you're, you're struggling to, to keep up on that stuff. Awesome. Yeah. I'd I love to see that. Uh, and Isabel, do you want to touch about uh, your perspective as a Slavic American woman, um, the values that, that you have for what it means to be a Slavic woman? 
Yes, um, I would like to touch on that. Um, I'd also like to mention I'm I am mixed race, so I'm Filipino, Native American, and Slavic, mm-hmm. and like. I do like to look at the differences and similarities between cultures. And one thing I think that is so valuable with Slavic women and Native American women, especially, is like, we're not afraid to use our voices because like in our (laughs) tradition, we would, you know, sort of guide the men to do things like everyone sort of the other way around. But like, we would be the ones who would direct how to do the things, direct where to do the work and how to things like that so I think that definitely comes across in how a lot of Slavic women use their voice for things such as activism and other stuff like that and I do value that a lot so yeah that's a yeah I think we are definitely fearless (laughs) oh yeah no no to uh to say the least (laughs) this is a podcast about Slavic women but as Slavic dudes both Austin and I can attest to uh no offense sometimes slavic women are a little scary (laughs) when when i went over to poland i remember it was one of the biggest like culture shocks i at that time i was starting to really look into what it means to be a polish american and when i went over there and i saw the polish people and i was like oh man they're they're really cool and then the polish women were so damn scary i just remember the constant yelling the constant bossing and i was like oh oh my god i've never seen anybody that's that's yelled this much in a culture they were they were screaming and cussing and the dudes, you could just tell they were scared. And I mean, <laughs> I, I wasn't even like related to them or anything. And I, even I was scared. I, I'd, I'd be standing in line too. I was scared yeah. they're going to pull up the babushkas or, you know, wooden rolling pin and try to hit me. I was going to stand in line. No. Um, like for example, my mom might seem like super sweet at first and so kind, but like if you get on her bad side, she is so mean. Like, I mean, I know because I'm responding. <laughs> I've been on her bad side a lot and she she's scary in fact yeah. I'm, for her birthday i'm going to get her a present that we a t-shirt that will say i'm a czech woman of course i'm loud oh yeah. nice yeah <laughs> i absolutely feel like western like ideals like women should be seen and not heard and oh there's a man of the house and like that's so different in slavic culture because oh, like yeah. <laughs> Like, there's a man in the house. I don't know why he's of the house. <laughs> oh yeah, no. In uh, in in, in Slavic oh. cultures, from what I've observed, a lot of times, uh, the women kind of control all of that. They're uh, yes. you don't you don't stand in the way of them, or else you are. That's a very dangerous path to cross, and that's not something I'd exactly. want to do. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I know what my grandparents. Like, actually, my grandpa was like pretty. Was like a, one of the things that attracted him to my grandma was like how hard she worked. So like you know, like it's very different than like a lot of the Western cultures. Like where you know in the past, like the women were meant to be inside, you know, and not working because you know, like as my grandparents say, like Czech women were outside working, and American women were inside sipping tea. Yeah. yeah. It- thing like there are books like of americans comparing slavic women to american women and like they say like they walk around in bare feet and they do the same work the men do and all that stuff and it's like yeah and like that's so different to the american ideal where the american ideal was a woman who you know was house and she just sort of did her thing and that was it and she didn't sort of contribute to the uh household economy in any way whereas slavic women it was mostly the opposite so yeah 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 slavic women are uh they're very very fierce and they're they're not willing to to get their hands dirty they're not willing to actually go out and do the things 
And I think you probably can draw some comparisons between that to your your Native American culture as well. I know back in, in a lot of, from my understanding, for a lot of those cultures, those women, it was very similar where they were out there doing everything too. It wasn't the, the I guess, the American version of like the gender dichotomy that we have. Yeah, so like a lot of um, like so for my my people, um, I am from the Samish Nation and the Upper Skagit Nation in Washington State. So we're fishing people essentially. Yeah, yeah. So be like cleaning the fish, and they'd be preparing the fish to be smoked, and each uh, smoker to smoke the salmon, which was our number one source of food, would be owned by the woman. So like the women were the oh, principal. Yeah producers for gather for like the hunting for the winter like the men would maybe catch the fish but the women would be the ones who would make sure everybody had that for winter so it is very similar in that way like it was in tandem in a lot of ways right right i feel for my experience uh because my parents and my uh grandparents they uh they grew up in communism so mm -hmm. I so I feel like they contributed uh, more of the labor, the work that here in in America, it's kind of sometimes uh, not as usual to see. But I remember that they were just like having uh, all the pets at home, all the cows and all the chickens, and they were planting potatoes from like, from like, six like in the morning and mm -hmm. just like doing everything they could to just help out and not to just sit back and just wait for the husband to come home they were just in the charge but like kind of in charge but they were so mm -hmm. right. yeah my my baba does the same thing actually she still gets up very early does her gardening cleans yeah. the chicken and in the winter when it gets really cold because it's really cold in Pennsylvania, she puts the chickens actually in the house in the basement. She has like a room for them. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that, that's so cool because yeah, my grandparents also ha used to have chickens. They quit having them recently because they've gotten so old. But like in the past, they, they had like a chicken house. Like my it was honestly like, my grandma was like one of the main people dealing with it. Like she my mom has memories as a kid of like my grandma catching the chickens and you know preparing them to eat and all of that and <laughs> that was like her main thing um and you know Catalina you touched on like how like you know in your family like a lot of the time um like during communism the women were at home like having to like do a lot of like the you know making the food and all of this and I think that's really interesting because my family actually has stories about like how their life was back in the Czech lands like back in the past and uh, they say there was something called robota, where like the men would have to go work in the fields for the landlords. So like the women, a lot of times would be taking care of like the family's crops and chickens and animals and all of that because the men were having to work for the Lord. So the women would take care of like the family's mm -hmm. uh, food and provide food for the family, you know? Yeah, yeah, completely. And I don't think that they saw it as, oh, I am a woman, so I have to be at home. But it was just a part of the life uh, mm -hmm. because there were no other things that they could do. They couldn't travel. They couldn't go to the colleges. And many times I am the only one uh, that is the first time that goes to college in my family. So it's just there were not resources for them to 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 know any better back then 
which is sad to me, but uh, they just did all they can to provide for the families and it and if it would meant uh, well they would cook all day long well they would do that so i just see it as like the uh, the braveness of them were just unbelievable definitely yes. yeah um so a question that like i i want to like ask you guys I'm trying to think of a solid way to word this but more or less as Slavic women in, in America, do you find that there's any like conflict between like your values and who you are as a Slavic woman um, compared to like the home culture? Um, yes, definitely. Like even as like a Slavic American woman, I do run into issues like that because in American culture, it's very individualistic, you know, like you're supposed to sort of go and do what you want regardless of what there is and do anything possible to make money essentially right <laughs> and that has had some conflict definitely with me my mom and my baba especially because like their sort of thing is is like you need to take care of your family like in our family we're not supposed to put like our elders in nursing homes and things like that and you're supposed yeah, to take yeah, care definitely. of your so like that is definitely a big conflict with American culture because American culture sort of pushes you to do exactly the opposite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I definitely feel that as well because I was an au pair. So that's kind of a living nanny, which you take care of somebody tells his kids for the whole two years I've I've done. Oh. So so that was exactly what uh Isabella I was just talking about that like here um, people and mostly women are focused more on making the money which I'm not saying that is that is bad but for like the values that I carry it's just more fast-paced life to just like chase the money and then pay for the daycare so you can put your kid there for the whole week which right. I I don't get. So that's probably the biggest thing that I am just facing as a Slavic woman to to not get pressured into chase something that that it that like at the end doesn't matter. So but right, family right. Is. Mm -hmm. that's actually I think y'all raised some really good points like on like how you know in America, things are very fast-paced, and oftentimes, yeah. a lot of times, like, family is not as important as it needs to be, or as it used to be, whereas in a lot of, like, Slavic and other Eastern European cultures, like, you know, Hungary, Romania, and others, too, um, like, a lot of times, like, there's lots of emphasis on the family, and, like, you know, taking the time to, like, take care of your um, relatives, and, you know, kind of, you know, like, not, things just feel much more slow-paced, I would say, yeah, definitely. So, thank you all so much for sharing that. Um, one question I have is, do you all feel like there's a difference in Slavic American communities versus communities in the old countries like Czech Republic or Slovakia or Poland Ooh. in terms of these values? Like, do you all see some carryover between the two between the different countries to the U.S. or have we kind of become sort of Americanized? What 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 are y'all's thoughts? A good question. Um, 
as a Slavic American and, and as a Rusin American specifically, so most of my experiences are in the Rusin community, both in Europe and here. Um, I think there is a degree of difference because it's like we have very separate historical experiences so a lot of slavic americans faced discrimination in the u.s when they came over things like that and slavic people in the homeland more so went through like the ussr and things like that whereas like my family has auxiliary auxiliary experience to that because our family members were in slovakia when the cssr was going on so we would send food to them and things oh wow but like experienced that and our paths were sort of differentiated there however when I do talk to Rusins like I was just at an event where I talked to a bunch of uh, Rusins from the home country and well Rusins from Poland and Ukraine and Slovakia and other Rusin Americans and I found there like besides like the language barrier we could communicate very easily the voices were very similar strangely enough and like yeah there was sort of like commonalities on understanding how we communicate and stuff like that where I sometimes face issues communicating to like more uh, legacy Americans like Germans or English like because I communicate differently and I can obviously tell that so right. yeah that's what I think but yeah yeah so I've lived in Czech for 21 years so I was shaped by the community there and it and in our village with 900 people. So I was uh, a very like heavily influenced by the life there. So coming here with kind of nothing, I think it's just been challenging for sure to find, um, find groups that kind of can share this experience with me. And because in California, there is not as much population of Czech or Slovak that I can kind of uh, meet up. So I'm searching online to do things that I can to connect with uh, the people that would like to connect as well and just share this, uh, share, share the same like values and things that we faced here as uh, labeled sometimes as just immigrants well because uh, they can usually uh, label us so like I faced some sometimes that they would be just like oh so so like are you German then or <laughs> are you from Russia or so there there was like mostly these two kind of guesses and nothing else so I felt like I need to use my voice mm -hmm. to kind of promote that hey there is more to see and we are here to show you yeah, so, yeah. so that was kind of my take on my on my shop to kind of be like oh there's some Czech and some people from uh from Europe in this country yeah we are so <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah, see, I know uh, <laughs> as far as what you're saying about the uh, are you German question that you've been receiving, I know Austin can have talk quite a bit about that. <laughs> you want to get into that, Austin? <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, well, I I've never been mistaken as German. I usually mistaken as like Balkan or Serbian. I don't know why, but um, <laughs> I know <laughs> I know like, you know, Czechs have lots of history with like, you know, wanting to define ourselves and 
define our culture as being as being Czech and being Slavic. Um, you know, we lived amongst many Germans for centuries. So for a long time, we've really been wanting to define ourselves as our own distinct entity and not part of like, you know, some German kingdom or something like this. So it's definitely something like that was passed on to me and my family. Um, I found it interesting, like how y'all both have just such unique experiences with like kind of promoting our cultures here in the U S and kind of like navigating the different ways, um, kind of figuring out ways to represent our cultures in the U S like when a lot of times, like, you know, Slovakia and Czech Republic are kind of looked over, like, you know, like they, like Americans think, you know, it's just Germany. And then after Germany starts Russia, like they forget about the, <laughs> you know, like Czechia, what? Slovakia, um, Hungary, Croatia and all of that. So yeah. It's awesome. What you both are doing, I think. Um, one question I have is, you know, and at least in my family, like, you know, we, we kind of touched on it earlier, but like Slavic women are known to be kind of like bossy and wear, wear the pants. Is it the same thing in y'all's families too? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Again, like growing up, it's like my bub, like, so my mom would work. So my baba essentially kind of like raised, like helped to raise me a lot. And like, we sort of had that traditional uh, household where the baba watches the kids and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, no, my baba definitely was the leader of our house. Like she was the one who didn't take any, you know, crap from anybody. And, you know, yeah, like, <laughs> you know, my you know, give a front, but then, you know, it was my baba who'd be coming out with the real, like, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same, like Isabel said, is just uh, my mom is in charge of the many things in our house, uh, including finances, like everything, uh, because it comes down to her. Are we going to buy this? Well, go ask your mom. Like, I, I don't know. So my dad is kind of just there. <laughs> <laughs> so like, well, go ask your mom. Like, I don't know. So, <laughs> so, so that's kind of like everything in like one sentence uh, that describes a lot of like uh, the, uh, the Slavic women and moms that are just there to make decisions for sure. Yes. No, uh, <laughs> I think that that arguably was, was one of the, uh, the most like Slavic women sentences you could possibly say, the men are just there. I, I was cracking up there. <laughs> the, the men in the house rather than the man of yeah. the house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know in my family, it's the same thing too. It's like, you know, my dad, like if we wanted something, he would say, go ask your mom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, if, like my mom basically controls the finances and everything. Like technically like she likes to pretend my dad does, but no, she does. Like he has to ask her before he does anything. Yeah. Like everything is kind of in her hands. And, you know, it's kind of funny, too, because, like, for the longest time, we could not have any dogs in the house because my mom. And my dad <laughs> loved the dog, so he always wanted to have a dog in the house. Well, then my mom decided to buy a dog for my sister, and the dog ended up being more attached to my mom. So now oh. it's my mom's dog, and the dog <laughs> is in the house. You know, I remember when, when I was younger, um, my dad, he also used to say, you always go ask your mom oh, your mom needs to agree on this or whatnot. 
Uh, but one, one major thing I noticed is that my mom, so she was raised uh, like a Polish Catholic and uh, you already know there, there's, there's some anger built up in there. Uh, but I, I remember whenever we would piss her off, it was bad because it was generally pretty hard to piss her off. But when you did, oh my God, you knew you were about to see Jesus. And she would always like be like, oh, you, you're, uh, you better hope I, I, don't, I don't tell your dad whenever he gets home. But that was the least of our worries. My dad would come home from work and he'd be like, oh God, you know, what would you guys do? He'd be hiding from my mom because that Polish side of her would just come out and she would be cussing, yelling. And my sister and I would be cowering in a corner just hiding. <laughs> I had the same experience. Yeah. yeah. I remember, yeah. <laughs> mom saw like this like very bossy American kid one time in public. And she'd be like, if you talk to me like that, you would not have lips. <laughs> you would not speak. <laughs> you know, it's 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 so true that like uh I don't know what it is. It's just Slavic women. They just have this aura about them. Like you don't mess with them. It, they're just so innately scary. Like if you if you were to try to do anything, uh, there's like this this like fight or flight uh reflex that just kicks on inside of you. And most of the time, like ninety percent of the time, it's going to be a flight reflex. At least in my my body, I'd be running. I'm not dealing with that. And, and the funniest thing is that is very similar in Native American culture as well. Like, I have it on both sides. Like, my one auntie is like, sometimes you have to open up a can of Skagit, pardon my French, whoop-ass. Yeah. And I'm like, whoop and whoop-ass is the same thing. So, like, yeah. And I, I tell you what, even like when Slavic women get elderly, like, they'll still whoop your ass, pardon my French. They'll still... They'll still get after like, my, my grandma, like she, you know, like my grandma like was in her sixties when I was in high school and she still, when she got mad, she would, she would scare me. Like she, yeah. like one time, I don't remember what I did. Like she like slapped me and then actually she like pulled her shoulder kind of out of place after she slapped me. Awesome. So, I don't remember what I did. <laughs> oh man. You know, honestly, I would argue that as Slavic women age, they get more and more scary. It, I don't know what it is, especially when, when when they're like old, they just have all that that bitterness and resentment inside of them, and, and they'll put you in line. They will whoop you in line, like you said. They'll open a can of whoop ass on you. Well, I say it's because like they have their mom to be afraid of, but when they become like <laughs> and they become like sort of the top of the top of the chain, you know, yeah. that's when all that's when like no like no cares are given whatsoever <laughs> like a, it's, it's like becoming an apex predator in nature it's just that they have no competition <laughs> oh man that's a that's, that's honestly it, it's wild to, to hear some of the similarities between both of you guys because you know obviously you're a slavic american and carolina you were actually from europe so it, it's kind of weird to see how some of the stuff is quite similar in a lot of areas but there's also a lot of differences too yeah yes. But um, yeah, I know, I know, definitely, I I can relate to some of that stuff for sure. Uh, especially, my mom would just she would not be afraid to to whoop me in line. She was always <laughs> extremely present. Um, she was very active in in raising me and my sister growing up. My dad would always have to be working. Um, but even like when he was back home, uh, of, of course he he, he took a very active part in raising me as well. But my mom, oh my god, it's just like. She, she took that that Slavic mom nature to a whole different level. <laughs> I feel, I feel uh, that, that like I have the same experience that just like like my mom was there. Then I feel like that's what is sometimes missing in like other cultures. 
uh, that the mom is just not there or ju mm -hmm. just a parent is just uh, not there. And I'm so glad that my mom did and just did all the things for me. Well, because right. like she didn't have to, but she just did. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good point, Catalina. And since you were an au pair, I'm wondering, like, have you noticed a difference in like how the American mother's parent that you've um, uh, volunteered for versus like how Czech pa uh, mother's parents? Uh, yeah, I I think like every family again is different. Um, but I just feel like in Czech, where I uh, grew up and with, we grew up uh, all together as community. So mm -hmm. so my parents went to the same preschool as their kids, and we then uh, like went to the same preschool again. So we kind of like share the lives there. Mm -hmm with all the moms, all the dads, all the uncles. So, so like here, I feel like the parents are kind of just forced to be together because, oh, my kid goes to the gymnastics. So like, I have to be now the friend of these moms or these parents. Yeah, yeah. Which kind of like, like that miss, that's like missing the point for me then like for, for the life well because i like to have my like people around and like the community which i i just don't feel here as much yeah that's actually that's, that's a really good point i know earlier you mentioned a lot here in this country about um americans just putting their kids in daycare for basically like the whole five days a week um and they don't have that like active i guess um part in, in raising those kids up and so a lot of times they're probably missing out on some aspects of the traditions and cultures and whatnot that you're probably used to back home oh yeah definitely i am not here to judge so <laughs> you're right right that's a, their decision but just from my culture uh the parents or like mostly the mom <laughs> is, <laughs> is just like always present and but I think it also depends uh, because like here you don't have that maternal uh, leave but in Czech you get paid for up to four yeah. years uh, to be at home for your kid and yeah, you get yeah. enough of paid for that from your job or from the government so I think there is more aspects and maybe it would be a different here maybe we would be talking about a completely a different scenarios but it is what it is yeah definitely um and one thing i just thought of um is uh, you know like slavic families in general just have a lot of appreciation for what they have and exactly. i think um, in my experience this comes a lot from the women like you know like we like are preserving like old clothes and things like this and old antiques because like my grandma really values them and i'm curious what do y'all two think about this because i know you both have both have folk costumes or kroya so what are kind of your thoughts on like the preserving the traditions and how will the slavic women play into this yeah so uh when i was a kid i got past all the clothes from my mm -hmm. brother so, so I wore uh, most of the boys' clothes a lot uh, because 
uh, we did not have money to go buy out the new clothes just for me. Uh, so I kind of just figured out that I'm gonna keep my things organized and and keep them clean and uh, make them last, which I think here is a little bit different. And also when I got, got introduced into our folklore at very young age at our village that we do all all year, all the dances, I I started to see my my croy my my dress as like part of me and my life. So it became something that I know it's here and just I can put it on and just feel like I am at home so that's kind of my uh just very safe um thing to have and just don't forget about it right right um yeah like for me it like being American like my like the way my baba raised me got me interested in traditions right from the bat. So like learning pisanki, uh, learning how to make a pasca bread for Easter, learning how to make siret or uh, hudka, hudka, which is like the egg cheese also for Easter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, things like that. Celebrating Orthodox Christmas because my family are Eastern Christians. Yeah. Um, stuff like that, like really interested me from a young age. And then when I found a picture of my great grandmother in Croye, which I have no idea where that Croye went. And it haunts me to this day because, like, again, it's a picture of her in her 20s wearing this Croye. I asked my Baba, she's like, I have no idea where it is. But I do have her chepets, but it turns out her chepets actually got stolen a while back. So, like, oh, again, damn. a lot of these things for folk costume were lost in my family, but I wanted to preserve it like the other traditions that, like, we had uh, handed down. So that's what got me interested in old clothing and Croye and things like that. Um, so yeah, and it's also like for me wearing Croye is about showing my identity because like sometimes I get some not so good responses for me being mixed race and like, you know, interacting with Slavic culture and sometimes it just doesn't go so well. So I like to show like, look, I can wear this and be mixed race and I right. am not lesser of anything because I am mixed. So yeah. 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 yeah like to continue on that because I've had uh, my my Czech experience for 21 years so like I I was used to that like like having all the traditions all all year long but when I left uh I realized to not having them now for the four years like as a part of my life like active life is just uh it's been hard so that's why I uh, started to bake uh, started to make these things that we do pin check on our daily basis and mm -hmm. that's what that like it was like making me to uh, reconnect the things that I've had for 21 years yeah, yes. all the time so and yeah, for me, it's like, it's not the same, but it is similar when I moved away from home to go to college. It's like, I, you know, I missed out on all these like foods I would have every day, like holoshki, uh, you know, holoki, pirohi, all these other things. And like, I would um, like 
learning how to make those like my bubba taught me how to make all of those and she was happy to do so because she's like look this is how you make a good cheap meal as a college student and like <laughs> a daily basis while it, i'm in reminds me of home <laughs> kind of like the beauty in like uh like our food i would say because it's cheap well because pe people back then did not have enough like money to buy all the things but it tastes so good it's so, so good it's magic so it's <laughs> and it's so good it's just perfect like what else exactly and like i like to like combine it with like foraging so like one time i made pierogi with the uh, wild chives that were like growing Ooh, around that sounds good awesome no, i'm like look i'm like i'm i feel i felt so connected to my heritage both as a native american and as a slavic person and, and yeah, that made me really That's so, awesome. No, honestly, I might have to try doing that now that you're saying that. Yeah. <laughs> Just be careful you don't find something that isn't edible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lordy. It's, it, I just love how much you both preserve the traditions and how you're both so passionate about putting them out there. Like, you know, as we said earlier, Catalina has her own shop where she actually makes T-shirts inspired by Moravian and Czech and maybe in the future Slovak and I think you said German too patterns um mm -hmm. and also she has like um she makes different products such as the crown the flower crown she's wearing now um so it's really awesome to see Catalina like kind of putting all the traditions out there and then Isabel actually is very active on social media both Instagram and Facebook um showing off her different croya and telling and also folk costumes from her Native American side, I think, and also your Filipino side and telling the stories behind them. So really like what y'all do is so mm -hmm. awesome. I think. Yeah, I try. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, we have to use our power and our voices to just continue on and just uh, promote our cultures here and just do the best as we can. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We uh we love to see its message. We definitely want to push. Uh, it's part of the main reason we started this is really just to keep pushing the uh, the Slavic culture for uh, Slavic Americans and also for people back home in uh, in Europe. Um, but with that, uh, we we've gotten pretty far on this, Austin. If you have any remarks, I don't have any additional remarks. Um, but I would like to say to you both. Thank you again so much for Absolutely. coming on the podcast. It really has been a pleasure to host you. Yes, well, thank Absolutely, you. Guys. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, thank you so much too, guys, for 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 doing this. Yeah. Yes. And uh, having us here. Yeah. Absolutely. It was good, Carolina, too. I'm glad that we got to chat. Yeah, me <laughs> too. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff, guys. Um. Well, yeah. Thank you so much, and maybe we can uh, work with you guys again on a later episode too. But um, yeah. with that, guys, all right. Um, thanks for all those that tuned in, and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Yep. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.